Theology Thursday Live, and I'm a little hoarse today, but we'll get through this together. We are looking at the continued um, episodes of Thomas Watson here, Puritan writer, um, in his book, The Doctrine of Repentance, and Puritan paperbacks that I'm reading from here. And he's talking about um, the powerful motives to repentance. Uh, chapter back, we looked at the need, ongoing need for Christians to repent. So if you want to look back at one of those, um, you can see that, but that it is an ongoing activity even for the believer. Um, even though we're forgiven in Christ, we're, we are to remind ourselves of the grace that's ours, of the gospel. Um, but since we do still sin, actual sins, um, we do still uh, repent of those actual sins, uh, confess that we're wrong and to turn again to the cross. Um, so anyway, um, we're looking at this next one. These are a, a lot having to do with um, not just for the believer, but also particularly for the non-believer uh, reason, you know, when they are becoming to be convicted by God of their need to turn to him, but they see the sin and begin to recognize their sinfulness. Um, these are reasons they can look to. It's like it's good to repent. And even for a believer who's, you know, we'll use that term backslidden or something, but you've just, you, you, you've recognized sin in your heart, whether it be gross um, sin, even in, in uh, society's eyes, or um, something that's maybe not so bad, but you've recognized in your heart that you've been convicted of how bad it is before God. Um, so here it is, uh, more powerful motives to repentance. He writes, number seven, repentance is the inlet to spiritual blessings. He writes, he says, never do the flowers of grace grow more than after a shower of repentant tears. So flowers of grace. You begin to recognize how good God is. You begin to recognize what his grace is like when you've um, come to him in repentant tears. You've confessed your sin. You've recognized that you're, you're bad. And so rather than having a God who's going to you know, smite you or say, be gone out of my presence or, or you know, something like that, you, you begin to truly recognize how good he is when you're able to turn to him in this with repentant tears he writes repentance inflames love weeping mary magdalene loved much god preserves the springs of sorrow in the soul to water the fruit of the spirit sometimes it's difficult to understand what they're saying and sometimes it's very poetic sometimes it's poetically difficult to hear what they're saying hey rick Good to see you, man. Um, so God preserves these springs of sorrow in the soul to water the fruit of the Spirit. So as um, as as we pour out sorrow before God, um, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, these things are, are, um, are grown. They're increased um, through um, repentance through not that they don't grow without repentance but that but if you're afraid to turn to God because of your sin um, he's saying be aware that in the turning up to God and re recognizing the grace and mercy and forgiveness that he has for us then our love joy peace patience kindness these things um, increase um, number eight, he says, repentance ushers in temporal blessings. This is an interesting thing. He goes to the Old Testament. It says, the prophet Joel, persuading the people to repentance, brings in the promise of secular good things. In other words, 
things in this life. Rend your heart and not your garments. So, you know, if you're, if you're rending your clothes, you're ripping your clothes out of something. So, I feel so bad about my sin. He's like, you know, you need to be doing your heart like that, not just your clothes. It's not an outward expression of repentance, but an inward change of heart. And he's saying that's what he needs. And so lots of people are willing for whatever motivations, and he's talked about this other places in the book, to have outward signs of repentance. But it's the inward heart change that needs to take place and he says um and turn to the lord and the lord will answer and say to his people behold i will send you corn wine and oil when we put water into the pump it fetches up only water but when we put the water of tears into god's bottle this fetches up wine repenting is returning to god and this brings a golden harvest so i agree and disagree a little bit with him here i think um uh, temporal blessings um, he ushers in because of your repentance it, it can be um, but it could also be I mean he's bringing in the Old Testament Israel and Israel's under the, you know, the Mosaic Covenant and they had a special role to play in advancing the kingdom of God among the nations of the earth as far as an earthly kingdom um, so yeah that was um, blessings and curses were promised but for the the New Testament church, um, we're to go throughout all the world bearing the cross of Christ. Um, you can't use temporal blessings or you can't look at your life and say, God, things are going bad, therefore I must not be doing things right. Um, good things are happening, I must be doing things good. I mean, you know, in this life, it can be the opposite. So don't use just your situations to determine, you know, whether God's pleased with you or not. You know, if He's pleased with us in Christ, um, you know, you should repent. You should live a holy life, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna your, your grain's going to increase. But um, spiritually, yes, and it's always better. But much is good with God. Little is without much without God is is awful. A little with God is better. Nine repentance staves off judgment from a land. When God is going to destroy a nation, the penitent, that's the repentant sinner, stays his hand as the angel did Abraham's. Um, Abraham was going to sacrifice his son, and the angel stopped his hand. So um, the same happens. They're saying when a, a, when the righteousness is in a nation and people repent, that God may hold off judgment for that reason. The Ninevites' repentance caused God to repent. Okay, so um, I think there's there's you know you have to be careful with that Chronicles verse. Everybody uses um, oh what is it about the nation? Um, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and, and, and call my name, I will hear them and heal their land. So as if, um, yeah, I mean, I think that promises for Israel, not necessarily for uh, any country, but it does say righteousness exalts the nation and that we should seek the good of the land where we are. So, yeah, and other foreign countries did repent, and God's judgment was held off. So, um, repent. I mean, we do need to repent of the things that are going on in our country. I don't know how much we represent our country, as we um, certain people aren't repenting of certain national sins. I mean, gosh, we talk about the original sin of this country being slavery, but I mean, look at abortion. I mean, that's just like you know, how many more people you know and aren't even living at all not saying the other wasn't a sin but let's not be blind to current sins 10 repentance makes joy in heaven there is joy in the presence of angels of god over one sinner that repents so that's you know luke 15 10 when men neglect the offer of salvation and freeze in sin this delights the devils 
But when a soul is brought home to Christ by repentance, this makes joy among the angels. So this is repentance as a saving grace where it's like, you know, you're saved, you repent. And so um, there's much joy in heaven from this. 11. Consider how dear our sins cost Christ. We sinned in every faculty and he bled in every vein. That's, let me read that again. It's a good line. We sinned in every faculty and he bled in every vein. Can we look upon a suffering Savior with dry eyes? Shall we not be sorry for those sins which made Christ a man of sorrow? Shall we sport any more with sin and so rake in wounds, in Christ's wounds? So making sure that we recognize how much our sins cost Christ should give us a motive for repentance. Twelve. This is the end of all afflictions which God sends. So this is the end purpose. This is the main reason. The reason God sends afflictions to his people is um, to drive us to repentance. Whether it be sickness in our bodies or losses in our estates, that he may awaken us out of our sins and make the waters of repentance flow. Why did God lead Israel that march in the wilderness among fiery serpents, but that he might humble them? Right. Again, I take a little, I mean, I hate to not agree completely with the Puritan writer, but I think he may be, um, and they're writing in a different time too, but God's truths are always equally true. Um, I just think there may be a little bit of emphasis again on temporal blessings, because um, what he says here is things that come into our lives are, are hard things that come into our lives are meant to bring us to repentance. Well, yeah, but there can be hard things that come into our lives that I, mean, I guess there's always room to be looking and examining ourselves, but um, just to remain faithful during trial and not to think everything's my fault. I'm going through trial because of sin. I mean, Job went through trial because of his righteousness, but in the midst of dealing with his trial, he learned more about God and he learned more about himself, um, the majesty of God and and, and, and lots of things. So there are lessons being taught, and God can teach lessons. And he has reason. Everything works together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. So whatever suffering you're going through, whatever trials, there is purpose in it. Um, perhaps it is to bring you to repentance from, from some sin, but it's always to bring us closer to him and to increase our faith and to bring more glory to him. And 13, another um, good motive to repentance is the days of our mourning will soon be ended. God shall wipe all tears away. Christian, you will shortly put on garments of praise. You will exchange your sackcloth for white robes. So, yeah, so, you know, we should be praising God now. We should be recognizing we're clothed in robes of righteousness. But even as we go through these difficulties and trials that we're in today, when we go to heaven, all that's removed. I mean, as far as the difficulties and the trials, um, but that there will will be no weeping in heaven. And then number 14, the happy and glorious reward that follows repentance is another motive, great motive for repentance. Um, being made free from sin, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. So uh, when you repent and when we finally make it to heaven, you're free from sin um, and, and you have the fruit of your holiness and everlasting life was the purpose of all that. God will lead his penitents, the people who are repentant, from the house of mourning to the banqueting house. There shall be holiness unspotted and joy unspeakable in heaven. What an infinite disproportion is there between repentance enjoined and glory prepared. So, yeah, so I mean, sorrow over our sins now, but also... And, 
it, it does seem to be putting a little more emphasis than than I think possibly um, we might on well an over what am I trying to say it's like not enough of the praise and experience of the goodness and praise of God now like yes when we go to heaven I mean there's you know glorious things there so the trials you know you I, I think rather what I would what I'd try to say with this would be um it's not constant living in repentant and mournful sorrow, but that we do repent of our sin and we do weep over our sin that we see. But we also now can praise God that we are now in his righteousness, that we are now, uh, we experience, you know, I can't remember what the theologian that first started talking about the now and the not yet. You know, we're not yet in the fullness of this, but we are now in the kingdom of God. We are now, um, you know, sharing in the mind of Christ. We have the, the, the riches of Christ with us too so we can experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. So it's not just um, for later. And, and maybe I'm reading too much into what he's saying, but um, he says, Oh, blessed repentance that has such a light side with the dark and has so much sugar at the bottom of the bitter cup. Now I think if you take this just to when you're in a dark state of, you know, you've been caught in sin or God has revealed sin to you and you you repent of it and you, you feel it and you feel the shame of it and you, you plead to him. Well, it's good to plead to him because he's not going to be, as you're turning to Christ for forgiveness, he's not going to be condemning you for these sins. He's going to He's going to be lavishing grace upon you. And that as we go through our lives, um, what we'll see is, you know, it, it, repentance is bitter, basically, at the bottom of that cup. It's like if you have coffee and it's real bitter and you drink it and all the sugar was kind of down at the bottom. Or like we do here, it's like sweet tea, okay? Yankees, this is how you do sweet tea. You, you have hot tea and you put sugar in it and you stir it up. You don't put ice in tea and then give somebody sugar, you know, because it just all gets at the bottom. But I remember when I was little. You know, that's the best part, that grainy white sugar at the bottom. Yes, that's why I lost weight because I had diabetes, and but I got rid of it. Okay, the next motive to repentance is to consider the evil of impenitence. Okay, not being repentant is an evil. A heart, a hard heart is the worst heart. It is called a heart of stone, Ezekiel 36. Impenitence is a sin that grieves Christ. Being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, Mark 3, 5. It is not so much the disease that offends the physician as the contempt of his physic. I guess it's the, the cure he's trying to give them. It's not so much the sins we've committed that so provoke and grieve Christ as that we refuse the physic, the medicine of repentance that he prescribes. You know, here's the, I've given you what you need and you're refusing it. I'm offering you forgiveness. I mean, that's... You know, I mean, offering somebody forgiveness and they refuse it. They don't want your forgiveness. They don't want to admit. I mean, that's bad. And that's what we're doing to God. A hard heart. Here's a good line. A, um, well, he says, Pharaoh's heart turned into stone was worse than his waters turned into blood. A hard heart is the anvil on which the hammer of God's justice will be striking to all eternity. Boy, that's a, there's a visual for you. A hard heart is the anvil on which the hammer of God's justice will be striking to all eternity. So yeah, so every now and then, Thomas Watson, you know, you can get a good line. And I mean, hell is going to be, I mean, it's not going to be a good place to be. It's a long time and it's hot. And there will be an anvil striking the hammer of God's justice 
The hard heart is the anvil on which the hammer of God's justice will be striking to all eternity. 16, last thing. The last motive to repentance is that the day of judgment is coming. This is the apostles' own argument. Acts 17.30 God commands all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world. So there is a judgment day coming. That's a good motive for repentance. You can no more conceal your sin than you can defend it. That's, a, that's another good line. You can no more conceal your sin than you can defend it. So you can't hide it and you can't defend it. That's going to be bad. And that will do. And what will you do when all your sins shall be written in God's book and engraved on your forehead? Oh, direful day. When Jesus Christ, clothed in his judge's robe, shall say to the sinner, Stand forth, answer to the indictment brought against you. What can you say for all your oaths, adulteries, and your desperate impenitence? Oh, how amazed and stricken with consternation will the sinner be. And after his conviction, he must hear the sad sentence, Depart from me. So, I mean, that's... You know, people don't want to preach that kind of thing because it just sounds rough. But gosh, if it's true, I mean, people need to hear it. People need to know. I mean, there's a day, you know, you can It's not like you're just telling people they're going to hell. You know, I mean, the, the, that's not the good news. The, but the good news is only good if you know what the bad news is. It's like, unless you repent, there is a judgment day coming. Unless you repent. And, but, but there's a God who's ready for you to repent. There's a God who's longing for you to repent. There's a God who, who is uh, flood waters of grace are, are open for you for repentance. And then all these other reasons that, that he gives in this book for this. And um, so just, you know, we all have sinned. Um, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When you recognize this, it's a grace. It's a blessing. Um, turn from your sin. Turn to Christ. Um, confess your sin, and he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin, and then walk in those fields of grace. Continue to understand you can come to him because he loves you and he cares for you. Um, but if you don't love him and you have a hard heart, there's a day of judgment coming, and all these things that he's gracing you with today will be held against you. Um, so um, recognize the goodness of God in Jesus Christ, what he's done, sending his son to die on a cross for our sins, entering into our suffering. It's true. It's real. It's not some message out there to manipulate people into giving money to the church. Um, I guess some churches do that. I don't know. Some churches don't even believe the Bible. I don't understand why people go to church if they don't believe the Bible. I can't. I mean, it. it I don't know. So anyway, um, have compassion on one another, treat each other with kindness, um, speak truth in love, um, make sure you have compassion for people before you confront them with any kind of sin, and make sure you clean up your own house and get it in, in good order before you start criticizing the world. Get the plank out of your eye before you try to get a speck out of somebody else's. Um, iron sharpens iron. We're supposed to love one another, preach one another, encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. Okay, find the church that believes the Bible and preaches the gospel and become a part of it. Um, God bless.